All right. Welcome to the Herbal Hour podcast. Today we have a special guest, uh, Dr. Megan Schmelich. She's a fellow naturopathic doctor. And today we will talk about many things, but one of our main focuses is on mental health and the kind of silent crisis that's been going on over the last two years. Um, so to start it off, welcome. Welcome to the Herbal Hour podcast. Thank you for being on here for some organic conversation. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to, to dive into. I feel like it's a very important topic right now. Yeah, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people are feeling it in, in different, uh, different ways. Everyone experiences kind of stress and trauma uh, through a different lens. But I think it's fair to say that everyone's been feeling uh, some difficulties in the last year or two, depression, anxiety, isolation. Uh, it's kind of the the nature of the beast. Um, so I wanted to start off uh, in a fun way that I think might be uh, useful for people listening to this that are interested in mental health. Um, so we both work with mental health uh, quite a bit, as all naturopaths do in some sense, because that's kind of the, the unaddressed part of the equation when it comes to health in, in many cases. Um, what are the practices that... Uh, that you do your own self-care what are your uh like you know top three go-tos you're having you know a crappy day you woke up you hit the snooze like 15 times and it's just like a horrible day from the beginning uh what are your go-tos yeah great question and one that initially when you asked that I was like oh no like (laughs) I talk with there's only one right answer and it is to buy my patented formulas no I'm just kidding yeah (laughs) no that's Um, marketing stuff yeah no I just I you know in working with my patients I talk to them all the time about self-care and the importance of addressing their mental health not just when things come up but also like on the day to day, it's so important. It's like a, a muscle that you have to really exercise mm. and prepare um, to deal with the hard times. And so it's interesting in working with patients and maybe you experience this too, is like you hear yourself making recommendations and you're like, wow, that's like a really good recommendation that <laughs> I <should> probably follow. <laughs> um, so I have a whole long list of things that I would love to do, but I just, I guess, wanted to be fully transparent that even as someone who preaches these things. I mean, it's such a practice. And I think that that's so important to talk about because patients a lot of times feel people in general feel guilty about like, I know all the things I should do, but Mm. it's like in terms of, you know, making that into a habit and really like, um, leaning into that. And so, um, the things though, that I do definitely do. So I have a whole, like I said, list of like, I would love Mm. to meditate every day. Mm -hmm. The things you should do for your mental health. But what do you actually do that works? You know, even if it's, I mean, my, some of my examples might be pretty funny, but it's because they're effective for my own, uh, you know, unique circumstance, let's say. Yeah, I would say one thing that came to mind was I have an awesome community within the naturopathic community, as well as kind of personal life. And I think that it's, that's so important in general is just to have your people and to be able to reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm having a hard day or like, it was really hard to get out of bed this morning. And just really like, it's, it's a shared experience, everything that we go through more or less mm-hmm. variations on the theme for everyone, of course, but just in 
leaning in and, you know, opening up and being transparent. I know for myself, that makes me feel a lot better. Kind of just, I'm also a verbal processor. So it's helpful to like, just like lay it all out there. And I'm lucky to have great friends Mm. and um, just people in my life who will listen and will help, you know, me just allow me to just talk. Um, So I think just having Mm. that community and having um, space to, to let, you know, kind of flow through those emotions. And then um, definitely, physical activity like movement and trying to get outside even if just Mm. for five minutes that's been something I've been working on is like we always think that it needs to be this big thing and this you know I have to do this for x amount of time but it's even just in the moments where I'm I'm feeling upset it's like go out take one walk around the block or do something very small that seems to be helpful it kind of just brings you brings you a little bit out of your little narrow Mm narrowed mindset because I feel like when you have emotions come up or you're having those days it's so easy mm-hmm. to kind of pigeonholed into you know right. more than what's going on and you, mm-hmm. you it's like the time when it helps the most is uh, the time when it's most difficult to do right if you're not feeling too well like mm-hmm. chances are you don't have tons of energy to do something like go for a walk. Maybe you haven't done in a while, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, but at those moments, it, it's like the, the whole difference. Uh, so just, just knowing that mm-hmm. and sometimes just like gritting your teeth and be like, I right, just go for a walk. Cause right now is not a good time to be making life decisions, <laughs> that kind yeah. of thing could save a lot of disasters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I actually have my patients um, I advise them to write down a list of all the things that, you know, maybe in, in a moment when you're not feeling overwhelmed with stress, write a whole list of the things that bring you joy, peace, happiness, whatever the good emotion is, or helps you to move through those mm. not so great, not so desired emotions. And then to have that close, to keep it on your refrigerator, your nightstand, in your, you know, planner, wherever it is that like in that moment, if you're feeling really overwhelmed and wrapped up in those emotions, then you can have that right there and say, okay, I'm going to choose one. And again, it can be two minutes, give me 30 seconds, just something to bring you back a little Mm. bit. You know, uh, just the thought alone is already uh, a really big difference. Just having the, uh, the awareness of, uh, you know, I'm not in a state right now, or my mood's not in a state where I should, you know, do this thing versus, uh, you know, the other thing, uh, just having that awareness to be able to be like, Oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling too well today. Uh, and just accepting it as it is. I I feel like, uh, in, you know, my own personal experience and of course with patients, a lot of the, um, the different, uh, sufferings that, uh, that come from, you know, stress difficulties in life. Uh, there's the one part that comes from the actual thing itself, like the stressor or the issue that's going on in one's life. Um, but the, I think the majority of the suffering associated with that is actually our reactions to it and uh, how we view it, uh, how we, uh, how we think essentially um, we add to it. Uh, So it's like, it's like double the shittiness. Like, let's say something, you know, uh, God forbid, uh, terrible happens uh, at work like um, you didn't have any coffee or something like that. <laughs> and, um, oh no. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a beginning of a disaster. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, it, it's very unpleasant when it happens. Uh, and then maybe the situation gets resolved, but then uh, the mind has a tendency to, to dwell for hours and hours and sometimes days, sometimes months. 
um, and with people who are really, um, really struggling, especially if they've had a lot of troubles uh, in their past, it can become a kind of identity uh, mm -hmm. so that it kind of almost re-triggers everything. So one thing doesn't go right. And then, you know, the mind goes back to like, oh, I'm so bad. I'm so this. Remember what happened like two years ago? It was the same thing. And, you know, all these things. Um, and I guess my, my insight into that process is just to realize that 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 voice isn't like actually you it's almost kind of like a it's like a tape recording playing back of of what happened before and the the biggest uh, uh freedom with that is just realizing that that is just like a thought and a feeling but in this moment like you are who you are you're not the past you're not the future that that's all uh, very abstract um not emotionally and psychologically but in, in the real world, there's just, you know, where you are right now. And there's always the opportunity, if you realize it, to just do a 180 turn. There's nothing to stop one from doing that. So, um, yeah. 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 And I think it's so like in the moment when you're, when you're not in that moment, it's so easy to say, oh yeah, it's so easy to do the 180 and to have this perspective. But it seems like when you get into the thick of it, it's like, you're almost in You forget way. about it. You, that's yeah. the first thing you forget. It's like the yeah. first blind spot that comes up is right. even realizing that there is like a blind spot or that, you know, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where I feel like, you know, whether it's, you know, I had mentioned stepping out into nature, kind of moving your body or reaching out to your people that kind of takes you away from yourself or involves other people that helps you to kind of like mm. perspective, you know, reality check a little bit and kind of brings you back to that. Like, you know, like I said, you're zoomed in and it helps you to zoom out. Mm. And so I think with those two examples or anything that does that, that's really helpful to kind of stop. It's like a mind spiral. You know, you feel like you're just kind of like sometimes out of control and just spiraling down the rabbit hole. And you're like, you know, maybe you're, you're aware and you've, this is a pattern for you. And you're just watching yourself, like feeling yourself go down into this mm -hmm. spiral. How do I get out? And so, um, having those things that can bring you back. And I think that, you know, in, in, I really like mindfulness. I'm, I personally am still working on, I think it's a journey for everyone, but just, you know, I really love that idea of, you know, kind of just keeping it simple of, you know, thoughts are like, say that they're, um, the thoughts are a train and you're watching it pass by you, you know, you can, you have two options. You can jump on the train, you know, pound on the train door, you know, jump on and really associate and identify with that emotion, that feeling, or you can choose to just watch it pass by and say, oh, like how, you know, I'm going to be just curious about this emotion that's coming up. If it's anger, like, okay, I feel angry right now. I'm not going to let myself like, you know, as much as I can get worked up about it and go down that spiral, but just kind of be curious of like, hmm, like self, what is this all about? And like, what might have happened in the past that I'm bringing now to the future, to the present. And so I think that that's helpful. And I think that a lot of that mind spiraling and everything we faced in that way is a lot is a product of not fully allowing the emotions to flow in right. the present moment. And it's like our society just, you know, like shouldn't be mad and angry. You shouldn't, you know, crying is, you know, makes you weak. Like all the things that we hear. Mm. Um, the ideals, the ideals yeah. that we are always falling short of. Uh, and that's kind of the, that's the way ideals are, you know, if they, if you weren't falling short of them, they're not ideals. They're just what you can do. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's it, a big thing. And the guilt that is associated with it. Um, you bring up the kind of 
you know, uh, societal and uh, that aspect of it, just like that pure uh, conditioning, the, the kind of, uh, you know, emotional patterns and wounds we have are not like conscious. They're not conscious processes. We just see the tip of the iceberg when, you know, it hits us because we can feel it, but it, it, it's not within our ability to, uh, to like stop thoughts or stop emotions. Uh, I think that that's a really big insight in terms of the, what you said about emotions and we, when we don't process them, they come up in, in those kind of ways. But I think the truth of it is that you actually can't suppress your emotions. You can only think and feel that you are suppressing your emotions, but really all that's happening is they're being partitioned into kind of the unconscious and the longer they're there, the scarier they get. And when they pop out, they have a much more, uh, much worse form than they did when they originally popped up. Yeah, exactly. More dramatic. And um, I think I just think back to one time I was in school and well, probably multiple times, but <laughs> I remember it was the day before an exam and I was really upset about something and I wanted, I like felt, I, I actually like crying. I'm a sensitive person and I feel like it's very like cathartic and cleansing but I remember being like I have a test tomorrow I can't cry so I just totally suppressed it so now when I cry I like have this thought of like this is partially from that one time that I (laughs) didn't allow myself to cry and that's just an example of how it just builds and builds and builds and it's like we you know ideally we should be able to like express that full range but the reality of it is that in our everyday world. I mean, if you're out and you're just really mad, like you can't just like stomp around like a two-year-old. I mean, if we could, then, you know, I think that they're effectively handling their emotions in some ways when you look at it, because when something comes up, they're just, they're the, they are them and they just let that emotion flow. They have a tantrum and then they're done and then they're happy, you know? Right. That's so. actually very healthy, but, uh, that, that brings up an interesting, uh, uh, question then is, can that kind of world uh, exist where everyone is just completely in the moment, acting out their, you know, their emotions, and then just going back? Is 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 that kind of society possible, or is it kind of like antithetical uh, to like civil structure? If you know, when uh, somebody at work like annoys you, you just like tell it straight to their face, uh, that kind of thing. Um, do you think that's yeah. possible? Like what, what's the reason that we learn to like not express, like, is it actually overall beneficial in the long run or what do you think? It's a philosophical question. Yeah, I know it's, I feel like it's a multi-layered question with many, many thoughts, but I think my first thing is I just kind of envisioned it happening and I was like, so it looks like a movie in my mind and it seems really scary, <laughs> um, but I think it's because we're not used to it. And I, I don't think the answer is to let everyone go about and, you know, punch things and, you know, get all upset. But I think one thing that came to my mind is we don't in the, in the fast paced society that we live in, we don't allow ourselves that time to grieve, to process. And, you know, we are wearing so many hats, you know, performing Mm -hmm. so many roles, whether it's, you know, mom, dad, sister, doctor, you know, whatever profession, whatever it is, it's like most people are wearing multiple, multiple hats in that way. And so that's really overwhelming. And so for someone to have to like do all that, take care of themselves, I mean, it's just a lot of 
expectation or responsibility that we put on ourselves. And so I feel like that's kind of partially at the core of it. Like if we had time to actually sit with ourselves and not be so busy, then I think that that's when you can actually process things and, you know, work through those emotions. And so it's not necessarily, I guess, somewhat going against what I was saying of like in the moment, but it's the next best thing of like, ideally maybe that day, like, so in the moment you can't express that, but like that day you have quiet time to rest. But most of us come home from work and, you know, people have families and all that, and they're just rushing from thing to thing. And then they're exhausted. They go to sleep and then they rinse and repeat. And it's like, that doesn't, so I don't think it has to be in the moment. I just think that like maybe that day. And so it might be a good practice for someone, myself, anyone, um, to every night before bed. I mean, just to like, try to work through some of those emotions and to like allow space for that. I mean, that seems, mm. that seems really healthy. It seems like a really good goal. Um, mm. yeah, I don't know. Just, just a thought. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. It, uh, it brings up, uh, one of the, uh, one of the ways I found uh, of self-care that's, uh, very helpful. Um, especially when one is like busy and, uh, anyone who's kind of in a more, I guess, like entrepreneurial independent type of, uh, of work, there's, there's always, there's always more you can do. So actually the, the biggest uh, stumbling block is just, uh, you can work nonstop infinitely, burn yourself out, lose passion. And then you kind of lose the whole purpose of the, of the thing. Uh, what I found is that, uh, allowing myself like just truly guilt-free, non-productive time uh, is I- incredibly helpful, um, especially the more busy one is, the more helpful it is. Um, and I've found for myself, at least, that a lot of that processing happens when my mind is uh, really like engaged in something else. Like It might just be like a silly Netflix show or something like that. I just let myself watch it. I don't think what I'm going to do later. I just try to like pay attention to the story and things like that. Cause it's easy to, you know, even during our, you know, uh, free recreational time to like, not really even be there, like the show's on, but thinking like shit after the show, I'm going to have to do this and this, like, should I even be watching this? And it's like, you don't enjoy the show and you don't enjoy the work. So like, you don't enjoy anything. And that is obviously a problem. Um, and I don't think that it's, it, it, it's kind of just the nature of the mind and our conditioning and how society functions and things like that. But I find that for myself, uh, you know, ha- like putting extra effort into having like really, really free time. Uh, like the other day I was feeling pretty tired and I had a bunch of work to do, but I was like, I need to do something fun because I haven't really done anything fun all day. Um, and so I went out to a store and I, I bought myself a, a very, very funny uh, beanbag chair. It's like a big, puffy, white um, unicorn. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and it's the most comfortable chair that I've ever sat in my life. And the whole, the I, I found in the aisle, I'm like, I need to get that. That's hilarious. Because I just immediately started laughing. I was carrying around the store. Everyone was like looking at me like it was like an, an event because I'm just walking around with this gigantic uh, beanbag chair. Maybe at the end, if I remember, I'll, I'll show you. It's it's very comical. But anyway, so I was walking around laughing. I sat at home. I put it down. It's ridiculous. It doesn't match my furniture at all. Not even a little bit. Um, 
and it just it just made me like giggle and laugh and i'm like yeah like that's it that was the best use of my free time ever because uh i wasn't even like trying to get my mind off of work stuff like there was like no work stuff i was just involved in the moment i think the more we can be uh involved and engaged with what we're doing the less stress and you know the more positive it is and um even you know what we call work like the the perspective that we go into it with is a lot of you know how the experience is you know it could be the same thing done but one route could be like really fun and creative and silly and another route could just be like misery and you hating yourself and the same thing gets done at the end so it's um and for every person it's gonna be different there's no there's no one size fits all uh answer but i found that for me that's a that's a big one of just like real recreational time yeah yeah, I love that. And I think I can totally empathize with, and I think most people, how that's hard. I know I took a few weeks off. I was in between um, jobs a few months ago and I actually took four full weeks off. I was like, I like have not taken any time off in the last in way too many years, 10 plus years or something. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to just have all the free time. I put, made a list of everything I was going to do to kind of um, nourish and replenish those, those stores of, you know, energy mm-hmm. for passion. And I found mm-hmm. myself straddling, straddling that line of like, yeah, I'm like super anxious about the next chapter and planning for that. And then also kind of like recovering and process from the other, but I just, I couldn't find myself, like I wanted to ideally spend time relaxing, but then also still make it a little productive and kind of prepare for that next mm-hmm. chapter that mm-hmm. like was planned for, but it was like, I didn't really do both. I was kind of just in this weird the limbo. Yeah. And it's the limbo. (laughs) Yep. That's, that's the worst and the most common place, the, the place between work and play. Yeah. I was just thinking about this earlier today. The, the, the place where like you do a lot of busy work and like kind of something happens, but not really as much as one would expect. And uh, the play where you don't even like really enjoy it. And you're just like thinking about work. And I think that that's the, that's like the disharmony of, uh, of the mind. And I don't think that it's something that someone like did something wrong to have happen. I think that's the nature of how like the human psyche with all the conditions and conditioning and lives, that's typically how it functions unless one has like gone out of their way to read books about it, meditate, go to the mountains and like find out for oneself, like really what is life about kind of thing. Um, that's like default. That's the default. That's the way your mind will go unless you do something to steer it because that's the way, you know, society at large functions, uh, uh, where we, we are the, we are the products. We are the products, unfortunately. Um, and, that that's maybe one of the biggest issues I think around this like work play balance is that there's this uh, there's this like deep down perspective though, you know, that's around our culture and has a lot of good values to it, but it has a destructive effect as well of thinking of yourself only as valuable in and so far as what you, what you do, what you do for, you know, work or what you do that's productive or those kind of things. I think a lot of, um, a lot of the, the cultural conditioning brings us uh, to that place where we think of ourselves as just kind of like a machine to, to get work done. And of course the machine doesn't like that. So we get very sad. Um, 
so I think the, the self-care aspect is really important. What, what's like, um, what's like, uh, I guess like, uh, like a silly or guilty pleasure self-care thing that you do when you really just are like done, you're just like done with the day. You don't even care anymore about any ideas of productivity or anything like that. <laughs> uh, no, it's a good question. I feel like multiple things come to mind, but I, for myself, I really like, um, I was a former ballet dancer. So for mm. me, it's really in moving my body, whether it's Zumba class, which I, I just, when you said silly, I'm like, I look silly. So yeah, that sounds like <laughs> Zumba. Yeah. <laughs> fine. Like when you cross a um, ballet dancer with, you know, a salsa dancer, then <laughs> you just get silly, but um, that, or even I've, I've started taking ballet classes again. And I think that those things help me come back to myself. And that's the biggest thing that when you were talking about that, that came to mind is like, we, in society, like we have all these check boxes to check in terms of, okay, you go to school and you move to this level of schooling and then you graduate and then you get a job and you should stay with your job and you should then meet your person. And then, you you know, like kind of just this typical path that, you know, a lot of us are they, like, we're kind of expected to follow in a way. And people kind mm-hmm. of, you know, they look at you when you're like, well, why are you doing everything out of order? Why, you know, this or that. And so I think that a lot of that is like, kind of, you were saying like, um, that machine kind of that operation of like more like a machine, like if you're just like kind of going through the motions. And I think that the biggest thing that came up for me is that kind of, um, shuts you off and shuts you down to actually tuning into like yourself and your true gifts and your true wants and desires in terms of what you want for your life and what your life looks like. And I think that, um, I've noticed at least with those around me that this pandemic has really shifted, um, for the positive, for a lot of people, they've, you know, kind of had that time to sit and maybe at first it was uncomfortable and they had this time to sit with themselves and realize that they weren't satisfied or happy with how their life was. It was too fast paced or they were being micromanaged or they just weren't fulfilled by their jobs. And, um, so the positive kind of silver lining of it all is having that time to process and to be like, Hey, like I can actually redirect right now. And so I think, coming like I love when people say like coming home to yourself because I think the disconnect of like feeling unfulfilled and experiencing some of you know the mental health issues really comes back to like we just feel disconnected from ourselves from others but like Mm. first and foremost we need to connect with ourselves and when we live the life that other people want us to live and just go through the motions then we ignore that part of ourselves, and that's when like a lot of this um like the lack of harmony as you yeah Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, that echoes back to the first thing you said about, you know, having a community or, uh, friends to be able to talk to and and things like that. Um, that I, what I've noticed in the past, I don't know, maybe year for myself is, uh, uh, really like understanding the deep, down need for like community and friendship and things like that not even on a uh like almost like on a physiological level where what i've noticed a lot of because uh you know feelings of isolation and and things like that have probably been at their highest that they have been in a very long time because people were actually physically isolated from each other for quite a bit um and it it brings up uh, the point that you know, there are needs that we have that we can't uh, necessarily like see, but they could be at the root of why we don't feel well on a certain day. 
So that that's a that's a kind of another side to it because there's kind of like the psycho spiritual side of it, and there's also like the physiological side, which is very real. Um, you know, if you go out and live in a cabin alone for like a couple of months and you, you didn't want to do that, it's going to be probably a pretty bad time. Um, and you know, uh, the kind of isolation from people has a, a very uh, it, it's very, it's very difficult. Uh, that's, I think the reason why it has been kind of a meditative path to, you know, sit with yourself and be in solitude for quite some time. Um, but it's a form of training because it is actually very, um, very difficult psychologically, physiologically, that kind of thing. And I think in the past, you know, more recent times, I think, uh, things really in the past couple of months have been moving kind of back towards more community. Cause I think pretty much everyone like woke up and realized like community is like the most important thing. Like your friends are the most important thing in your life. Cause when they're not there, you kind of realize, uh, you know, the kind of a negative effect they'll have on all other aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that community element is really important. And then, you know, there's all the other physiological factors that are super important. You brought up exercise. That's like, I mean, if you want to, if you want to, you know, for guaranteed have like a really crappy day, just like sit in your seat for like two weeks. And I guarantee you, you, you'll have a crappy day. It's just like some people are in a different timeline, but um, being like sedentary, I mean, it's, it's a surefire way to feel like crap. Um, our body is made to move. It's like one of those, um, you know, those like uh, watches that the motion of it, it swings the pendulum thing inside and it keeps it moving. But if you don't move it for like 24 hours, it just stops. That's like our, our body basically. So there's like the physiological end of it. Um, our diet, obviously that's really big. Our overall diet, what we just ate, um, you know, I've noticed for myself too, uh, uh, going outside, being in nature has, uh, more of an effect than just exercising alone. I think exercise is amazing obviously, from like a physiological standpoint, from mood standpoint, et cetera. Uh, but something about uh, getting kind of natural, natural activity, like, you know, like a brisk walk in the uh, park or a hike or something like that, where it's, uh, you c- your mind is both at ease, but you're also very active because it's, it's a very simple thing, very natural to humans to, you know, go from one place to another in their environment, which is nature. Um, so because cabin fevers are a very real thing. I don't think we're meant to be living uh, indoors. I don't think we're like tuned to that. Our nervous system isn't made like that with the way that, you know, circadian rhythms follow the cycles and the way our, our body follows the seasons too, which is not really accounted for in uh, kind of society. It's kind of like, go, 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 go. And then you get like the 25th off or something like that. And then you have a few days off and it's like, go, 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 go at like the coldest, darkest, most like gloomy, de-energizing time of the year. So it's, there's a lot of um, uh, expectations that aren't met. And I think a lot of those expectations cannot be met because they're unnatural expectations. Uh, So we all have to find kind of our own way to, you know, do what we need to do but also enjoy the experience of life. Cause actually at the end of the day, that's really the only thing that matters. Uh, uh, 
and one can get very philosophical about it, but I'll just, I'll just leave it there before we have a long conversation about death. <laughs> Cause that's, that's always a good place. <laughs> so yeah. it, it brings everything back right into perspective. Yeah. Uh, I've on many, many occasions, uh, when, you know, I, I got in, wasn't feeling great, had low energy or, you know, my mood wasn't great. I was feeling like, you know, pissed off about something or, uh, something like that, that, you know, I would kind of be in that state for a couple of minutes and you have all the thoughts that are associated with it. And you're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, you're just kind of feeding along with it. Um, and then I would just like take a moment, recenter on the breath and not thinking just like being present, like in the moment. And then I would just remember, Oh, like I'm going to die. Like, I don't want to, what if, what if, what if this was the last, you know, hour of my life? Like, do I really want to spend it like this? Like in this uh, feeling state or mood, that kind of thing. And man, that, that shit evaporates within like three seconds. You just like get up off your bed. You're like, okay, no, I can't do that. It's again, <laughs> um, that perspective. It's like the perspective yeah. check that I feel like we keep coming back to is like, how do you perspective check when you're deep within whatever emotion you're experiencing? Um, something that as you were talking just a minute ago, just everything for me kept coming, going back to how our ancestors lived and how, you know, I always tell people when I'm working with patients with diet, like, okay, eat like your ancestors ate, you know, kind of just in thinking about like before our modern world. And there are so many great things about our modern world. Um, you know, we're able with medicine to live longer and all these things, but the foundations of naturopathic medicine, they're really rooted in what our ancestors did in terms of, you know, they went out and they moved their bodies, you know, they had to, to get food and to, to keep themselves living. And they had this great community and they were, yeah, one with nature and all of the foundations, they, you know, even, um, their sleep, they didn't have, you know, electricity. And, you know, if you're going way back when, and so they, their circadian rhythms, they had to follow the moon and the sun. And so all of that is just, that's what creates health. And I think that a lot of our present day modern illness, you know, whether it's mental health, physical mm -hmm. health, and yes, like you touch on, they're so wrapped up, they're so entangled. And I think that there's so much physical um, suffering that comes from mental, emotional, mm -hmm. you know, the diseases of uh, civilization. I, yeah, I like that. Term. Yeah. That's a hundred percent true. Uh, I, I think for, for the, for a large part of the kind of uh, typical issues that have become very, very predominant in like the last couple hundred years. Um, mm -hmm. Because there's also an aspect of health that's kind of mysterious too. you, some people, they do all the right things and they're still unwell. And some people do all the wrong things and they're well. So um, there's a, a lot going on with it. There is, you know, fundamentally mysterious element. But what, what isn't mysterious is that most of the kind of very common practices that a civilization requires, like, you know, having a specific role, working specific hours, doing this, paying your taxes, like all these things. Uh, and the growing electronic world that, uh, especially in the first, you know, uh, year or so of the pandemic, it was just, everything was online. It was very, very jarring, very disconnecting, uh, those kind of things. Um, uh, sets us up for being in 
disharmony. I mean, uh, you were talking about the, you know, the, the cycles, circadian cycles, light cycles, electricity, that kind of thing. I mean, what's worse for your circadian rhythm than being like looking at blue light yeah. uh, for eight hours sitting mm-hmm. uh, into the night? God forbid you have a night shift because that's uh, there's a, a lot of interesting research with increased cancer rates and things like that. And just one level. I mean, not a big surprise because of the obvious uh, you know, psychological stress, but it's like we have uh, these great advancements, uh, you know, computers, everything is amazing. But I think we haven't um, as a general culture and society, we haven't learned how to use them for good and like minimize their negative effects. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's easy to be super black and white, like, Oh, screw electricity. Like mm-hmm. laptops ruined everything. And like, we're on a laptop right now. That'd be very hypocritical. So right. th- there's good aspects, amazing aspects to it, but how do we learn uh, to be in, you know, in, in harmony with it? Because regardless of what we believe or want to think our, our body is entrained to natural cycles that have existed for, you know, billions of years. So you can't just like think yourself uh, out of it in a lot of uh, cases. Um, So that that's the hard thing is like, well, what do you do? Like, should you not be on the computer after a certain time? Should you do this? Should you do that? I actually got um, these like red, uh, these red glasses Uh that only let, only let light in from, I believe it's from under 500 nanometers or above 500 nanometers. That's like red. It only lets red. They're like very specially made. They're not just like red tinted. They literally will only let red light through. Uh, red light doesn't affect the uh, circadian rhythms. It's mainly blue light, green, yellow, but especially blue, white, which is the sun and which is also our screens. Um, so there, there's like a lot of things you can you can find your own way uh, to to make it work for you, but it it's tough because our whole uh, culture and society is is built around these electronics, and uh, many people, especially if they work from home or something like that, or they have an like online business, I mean, it's mm-hmm. unthinkable for them not to you know be able to work like an hour at night or something like that, mm-hmm. um, and. I think that just comes down to the, you know, the, the drop by drop theory of health, you know, like where illness happens, like you kind of have like a, like a, a jar and drop by drop negative influences and positive influence take it out. And eventually one drop makes it too much. And then you go into kind of like a, a sickness or like a healing crisis from it. Um, and it's just that everything all together. Cause you know, not probably not any one single thing will completely change like your whole life instantaneously, but little things can make a really big difference. And then the cumulative effect could be hard to believe. Um, but it's, yeah. it's hard to realize that when you're, when you're making those small incremental changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to nature, that's, mm-hmm. that's a good principle to what, yeah. you know, what, what would your life be like if you lived like a hundred thousand years ago, just mm-hmm. do that. And you'll probably be pretty healthy. Minus like the warring and tribal type stuff, but yeah, all the, we'll take all the, <laughs> ignore the rest. But yeah, I, I really think that I, I agree with you that it's like, you can't really, you know, can't ignore 
and go back to how we used to like it's we're in this present modern world yeah. so it's about you know making the best of like okay we're in this world and we have these amazing things all these technical technological mm. advances and all these and so utilizing them but still maintaining that perspective and that balance of like okay so if i am going to today have to be on my computer for x amount of hours and knowing that ahead of time i'm going to plan for okay maybe i should in that day you know carve out some time to go and be out in nature for however much time but just so like kind of having planning for that and just having the overall goal of balance with everything mm-hmm. um yeah i think that that's kind of the best way and then just kind of one thing that came to my mind is like what would our ancestors do you know like that's like kind of that question to ask of like okay in this situation like what would what would they do you know like and just that that kind of gives that perspective check of like you know I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's like how can we simplify I know for myself I'm not um at all a big proponent of new year's resolutions but I think that you know for me in the upcoming year I do have a goal for simplifying and just even thinking about that feels so good I'm very excited is like just mm. simplify and it's like I think we tend to complicate life so much and it mm. is in a lot of ways complicated and you know I think to simplify sometimes we have to realize that we're mm. fortunate enough to we're in a place to be able to simplify because a lot of people can't a lot of people are having to whether it's work multiple jobs or they have you know um kind of you know split up families and there's just so much complexity tied in that so I think that you know having that perspective that we're fortunate to be able to say how can I simplify and to make that happen but where we can do that I think it's really it brings a lot of peace at least I know for Mm. myself yes come back to nature like Mm. you know try not to make things too complicated. That's kind of like in a nutshell, I feel like for me, mm. the of, of what we're talking about. Mm. It reminds me of that, uh, that quote that uh, simplicity is the mark of genius, that mm-hmm. like a simple idea is, it's far harder to have a simple and true thing than to just have a very like complex and explanatory. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I well, mean, I- it's hard to simplify because all our lives we've, we've been building complexity more or less or you know the conditioning the people Mm -hmm. expectations that kind of thing most people haven't been simplifying as they grow older although that would be a wise way to live I I would think yeah yeah and I think that there's there's reward we see reward you know given for those who push 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 and just you know and don't recognize the fact that like okay well that's great I guess but like at the same time that's you know coming with a lot of Mm -hmm. negative of pushing and then you know we all that happening and we're then like oh no we have to follow suit and if we're not and if we're living more of a simple life and not as busy as the rest or going off of you know going off the unbeaten path for our career you know I know we probably have faced that quite a bit in terms of thinking Mm -hmm. well we're not kind of doing the status quo thing and a lot of people have opinions about that and so I think it's about like standing strong in that and realizing what's what is good for you what is true for you and Mm. um trying to tune that out which i think just again it goes back i mean you have to recondition Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah just doing doing as much of what you really appreciate that you know fills you with excitement Mm -hmm. hope Mm -hmm. good feelings as doing as much of that as you can whatever that is i think that's a good uh general goal and you know, you mentioned that, that kind of, uh, 
let's say workhorse mentality is uh, rewarded for obvious reasons. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a very practical thing. The, the person who, you know, does the most of this and creates the most of this has the most people benefit from it. So they are overall, uh, you know, uh, benefiting society in, in most career fields, not in all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but at what cost, right? And that, that's, that's a personal question everyone has to decide because there is some, there, there is some merit in, you know, sacrificing some element of your happiness for the good of others or for the betterment of others. That's kind of how anything is. Um, if you want to really help people. Uh, but there's also the dimension of one's just own, uh, you know, experience of life and, bringing death back into the picture, not to put off our life for, for later after we get this stuff done, because there, 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 there never will be a later. There's only this exact moment. And the, the exact way that we react to our, uh, uh, our issues, our thoughts, our emotions in this moment is how we're training ourselves to continually react in the present moment, which will continue on tomorrow. And, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's kind of like that balance. The thing has to be, it has to be uh, bringing so much positivity in your life that it's worth the sacrifice and the pain for it. Because when you ask yourself, well, what happens if, uh, you know, uh, this is my last year here or something like that, then as long as you're doing something you're passionate about that you feel fulfilled in, then you can say, well, I spent it doing the, the thing that I thought was meaningful and valuable for me. Cause that's what it really comes down to at the end. Um, not just purely fun or pleasurable, but something meaningful. I think that's, um, that's a big one. Uh, Joseph Campbell had a quote I really like. Uh, he said, uh, people are not searching for the meaning of life. Mm-hmm they don't want to know the meaning of life. They're searching for an experience of life. They're searching for a deep experience of life. And I think that that's, it's very true. Um, so yeah. what's, what's the experience like if the experience is crap, then uh, there's only each person can find uh, for, for themselves why that is the case. Is it just physiological? Is it just because of this? Is it just a one-off thing? You, you never know in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's one of my passions as a naturopathic doctor and working with patients. I love the aspect of, well, so I, it dates back to a podcast I listened to before I even came to ND school. And it was a functional medicine doctor who worked out of California in a very affluent area. She worked with multiple patients um, who would come in and they had all these health issues and they were fortunate enough that they were, t- they knew all the supplements to take. They were taking all of those. They were eating very cleanly. They were like doing all the things that we would, you know, go through and work, work with patients on. And she was like, I was just so perplexed at why they weren't getting better. Like they weren't, you know, the dial wasn't even moving hardly at all. And she was like, I had this aha moment that I started to, I started to ask them the questions of the difficult ones, you know, I'm talking about like, okay, well, how's your marriage? How's your relationship with your family? You know, what kind of hard things are you going through right now? And in most every situation, it was revealed that, oh yeah, you know, I have a strained relationship with my mother-in-law and she's living with us right now. And it's so hard, or I'm in a marriage that's loveless and, or, you know, whatever it is, it's like that mental, emotional 
component of things, mm-hmm. but I think that for me and working with patients, I have that stuck with me because I'm like, whenever there's some kind of chronic physical illness, I'm like, okay, where, like, where might this be stemming from? And I think the, a lot of people it's revealed that they're living these lives, you know, for other people and they got into their career because their parent wanted them and pressured them into that field. And it's like going against their true nature of what they're actually good at like their personality their desires and so it's a big area of passion of mine to really dive deep with patients and I you know continuously working on like how do you do this with someone you know as as their doctor and kind of you know looking at multiple aspects of their care it's a big piece to be like okay so you don't like your job and like you know what is my role as an ND to then dive in in terms of like okay you don't like your job like can you change it what do you like you know kind of coaching them it's kind of like um a like a career coach in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's one area that I'm, I'm really passionate about because I think that, I mean, we spend so much time in our day-to-day mm-hmm. working and we have to, to sustain ourselves, a lot of people. And so if we're spending that much time doing something, we want it to be something that fills us up in some way. I mean, I know mm-hmm. work in a way is going to be depleting to resources in some ways, you know, even if you love your job, it's still, I mean, that's how I feel. I love my job so much. And it, gets me very fired up and excited so often but then it it definitely depletes resources I feel you know mm-hmm. everyone else and all that yeah. So, um yeah, yeah it's 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 uh there's an element uh especially in the healthcare professions I think it's uh a very it could be a very emotionally taxing work uh depending on you know what level of care one gives, what conditions one sees, uh, and these kind of things. Um, and it, it brings up the question of, uh, what are things that you think healthcare practitioners should do to keep themselves, uh, in a good state so that they can help their patients? I love that question so much because I've been reflecting on that for myself, for my colleagues and close friends who are also in this field. And we're all just, you know, luckily we have that bonding community to be like, this is hard. So again, going back to that community that, you know, maintaining your sense of self, I think that's really helpful and coming back and having that balance. So everything we've talked about totally applies to that situation. Mm-hmm. I think that um, also, you know, I, I know, a lot of practitioners who have like specific rituals in terms of like they see a patient and then afterwards they immediately after wash their hands or they kind of like turn in a circle three times or they shake it out or whatever works for them. But to consciously spend time, like kind of like just even a short amount of time, kind of like decompressing and kind of like shaking that off, even if it wasn't a bad interaction, it could be any type of interaction, but the, the nature of being in this line of work is that we're compassionate. A lot of us are very highly sensitive Mm -hmm. and empathetic, and that's what makes a true healer. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's kind of this tricky thing of like, you have this gift, but then it makes you more prone to burnout. And so really like the first step is to, to recognize that and to um, be able to build your Mm -hmm. resources on the side with your diet, your lifestyle and all these things. And, um, yeah, then in the moment to do those, those practices, mm. kind of shaking off. Um, mm. I know one, one thing that came to mind, which I think a therapist or someone in, in my life at some point had said, and it's really been so 
powerful for me, but it's just envisioning a bubble around myself. And it can, like, you can make the bubble whatever you want, whatever material it can be, you know, like maybe for some people, it's sometimes they need it to be like steel, maybe other times. <laughs> steel bubble. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe like more. I hope it like, opens up. <laughs> yeah. <very small. laughs> sometimes I feel like being in a steel bubble. So. <laughs> so it's like, but then other times it's like, okay, well, maybe yeah a net, but whatever it is for you, I mean, just envisioning that bubble so that it's like, you are, you're protective and you have this energy within that bubble where there's a little space and you have this energy mm -hmm. surrounding you. That's like keeping your reserves in. And I think for me, I like the net. Cause it's like, I can, um, put out energy, empathy, whatever it is out. And I can also receive a little bit, but it's like, it's a little bit, like, it's not just like, where you don't have a bubble and things are just totally like, you know, smacking you in yeah. the face. I mean, I just, I've, I've, I've lived that and, you know, had periods of time where I'm just letting all of that energy just totally impact. Me. So, uh, it's, it's so helpful, especially if you're, you know, trying to like rest for like, uh, just earlier today, uh, I laid down and just kind of closed my eyes just to kind of relax for like 30 minutes, just like a do nothing break. Mm -hmm. And I was doing, uh, one of my favorite uh, practices, which is going, uh, you just lay with your eyes closed on your bed. You could do it before you go to sleep and you just allow yourself to breathe deeply naturally. And you, uh, with your breaths, you scan through your body for where you feel tension in your muscles, and then you allow it to release and you go through your whole body, you know, from hands, feet, legs, thighs, head, eyes, and all that. And um, you just do that for as long as you as long as you want to. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's always so interesting how much tension we keep in our uh, muscles that we're not aware of. And mm -hmm. then we suddenly realize, oh, I could relax more. I can relax more. I can relax more. I can relax more. After you do the technique for about 15 minutes, you turn into like some form of metaphorical pudding yeah. and it's, it feels amazing. And you're just completely relaxed, not thinking about anything. Um, I think mm -hmm. those kind of practices, visualization, I, I was doing a little bit of that too today where you imagine like some kind of like light or warmth entering into you or you're breathing it in, whatever is like, whatever seems like, a, you know, uh, it's like if you were a magician and you could do any kind of magic, any kind of healing magic yourself, like, what would it look like? Just do that. Whatever is compelling to you. Those kind of uh, practices, my, uh, mindfulness, yeah. especially when they're tethered to the body, like, like dance is kind of a form of mindfulness like that. Um, it is the ultimate solution to any problem because most mm -hmm. of the time the problem is that you're not actually like present for what it is an emotion or an issue difficulty uh etc but all those practices they they can only be done in the present moment because your body only you only feel um you know your sensations your muscles, your relaxation, that all happens in the present moment in the space between breaths, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, so those are all techniques. They're all secret sly techniques, roundabout ways to get you to be like present for your own experience. Uh, it just so happens that the body is always in the present moment. So it's a, it's a great ally when it comes to, to tethering yourself. So, um, yeah. and it doesn't take long, it could just be like a second. You could feel some emotion come up, breathe, and then like bring your attention back to your body and relaxing. And then, you know, it's like, 
instead of like a three hour downward spiral, a spiral, you just had like an insight and you went about your day. It's really, that's the mind that can go very, very quickly in directions. Yeah. So maybe that's our solution to the, you asked the question before of like, do we just let ourselves go? (laughs) Like, well, maybe. I think people would probably just sleep a lot if if they could do whatever they wanted right now. Yeah. (laughs) But I think I like that. It's like moment, like say, you know, say I'm working with patient and like afterwards, I'm like, wow, I like feel really anxious for some reason, you know, to come back to myself and to do a quick body scan, to release that tension, to send warmth, you know, healing light. And I, I love that because I actually, I do pelvic floor therapy with women. So, um, a lot of times, so it's, it's much about, you know, the structural kind of physical things that are going on, but so much more too about the mind body connection and the fact that we, you know, as females or even just in general, I mean, we connect, disconnect areas that we disconnect from areas of our body so easily for whatever reason, if there's a past, trauma or association or whatever it is, or even just physical pain, we disconnect from that. And so to bring the mind and the body back on track and, um, I just, you and talking about like sending light or warmth or whatever it is, I, I actually guide them through that while they're on the table before we start or we, you know, before we do the actual internal mm-hmm. floor work, I, you know, have them, okay, send your breath all the way from like the top of your head, all the way down to your feet. And like, where is that breath stuck? Or, you know, send that warm white healing light, you know, to whatever area of the body that you're feeling that tension or that pain. And, um, I think just so often it's amazing to me, the mind and the body, like sometimes seem separate and we like the mind talks to the body, you know, like we have this dialogue and a lot of times it's clashing in some ways. And I'm like, well, okay, we're on the same team. We're, we're one. And it's hard to forget, hard to remember that sometimes. And so I really like those practices that can kind of Mm -hmm. just like reconnect, like bring you into the present moment, which helps get you out of that spiral. It kind of brings you back and also then just connects your whole being super powerful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, that's, uh, awareness is the the confluence of mind and body. I mean, really, they're they're never separate to begin with. They're just uh, a way language describes things. But uh, it's very very obvious to me that they're that it's more like a mind body spectrum. Mm-hmm. There's they're along one line, or maybe they're a circle. I don't know. Um, and, you know, some things like physical sensations, they feel like this is the body, um, but an emotional pain is also a physical sensation. A thought that comes up also has like a physical so- uh, association uh, with it. If you want to try something interesting, uh, I was uh, practicing this a little bit uh, today as well. So it's, it's good to mention. Uh, it's related to a, a Buddhist technique of meditation, but uh, I kind of just did it in a certain kind of way, uh, experimenting. Um, and it's kind of like the, the muscle relaxation, except it's when you have some kind of uh, troubling emotion or you have like some underlying anxiety or you, you know, have something like weird, you don't feel quite right someday uh, is like laying down and looking like with your awareness and your feeling for like, where is the source of the pain. And what's really very strange is that you can actually find it. Like you can find, it's like, it feels like it's, it, it could be somewhere in your physical body, but that's just how you're perceiving it. Who knows like what it is, if there's 
an energy field or an electromagnetic field that you can sense or something like that. But I find you can actually find any emotion, any psychological thing actually within the feeling of your body as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's a helpful one. Being aware, uh, you know, the, the big issue, the big suppression of emotions or the attempt, I think is because we, we label there's like an automatic labeling of naming things. So like um, you're walking down the street and you feel like a weird sensation in your stomach or heart. And you're like, Oh no, I'm having anxiety or something like that. Mm -hmm. But how do you know it's anxiety? So like our mind goes automatically like, Oh, it's this explains it away. And of course that doesn't help anything. Cause then it's like, Oh, I wish I could just make my anxiety go away. So you're fighting a thing that, is um, something that you labeled, which could be incorrect. And sometimes what, what you find when you just experience the emotion is that it's not actually what you thought it was at all. Like anger turns into like tears or anxiety turns into like laughter when you see what it is about. But there's, there's no way to see intellectually. You have to directly just like feel, feel it, experience it sense it, see it for what it is without trying to name it, explain it, find the cause. That's the kind of thing that actually allows the natural process to happen. And uh, conditioning has like uh, tangled all our wires up. I don't think the natural human needs to do anything like this, but because we, you know, we've been conditioned a certain way to have a role in society, to think of one as like a separate self from other things, Uh, we have to unwire ourselves in that way Uh, because otherwise, I mean, you don't have to tell like a kid to feel their anger while they're angry. Like they just are angry and then they're not. And then that's, that's like what an emotion is and it could be healthy or not, but for them, it's healthy to express it, but it might, might not be healthy for other people. So that's the, going back to this societal question again. Yeah. And something that came to mind was, I think that's helpful is like reframing the mindset in terms of like, how is this emotion, whatever it is, whether you're perceiving it to be anxiety or not, like, how is this emotion serving me? Because there, there's a reason I feel like that the body is doing everything with physical symptoms. The body's trying to cry out to us and tell us that something's, you know, a little bit off. And so it's, it's trying its best to, it's best to get back on track and also just like signal to us to like get our attention. Mm -hmm. Same thing with emotions. It's like, okay, like, you know, if we could say, well, what is this serving? Like, so if it is kind of those anxiety, like, you know, feelings that we associated with, associate with anxiety, thinking like, okay, how is this helping me? Like this is, and then you can kind of like go a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper and you might have some kind of realization of like, oh, wow, I'm like, my anxiety has, you know, done this for me. I mean, it's kind of hard to say without an example, but I just, there's a book that is on my bookshelf here. And I'm trying to remember it's, I think the wisdom of anxiety, Mm. too many books on the bookshelf. Um, yeah, I think it's the wisdom of anxiety. And, um, the whole idea is just like befriending the emotion and to like, not see it. I mean, so often we, we associate with these emotions with it's negative to be tearful. It's negative to experience anger. And it's like, no, like they are what they are and we're humans and we're meant to mm-hmm. experience these. And so it's kind of normalizing those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and even further, like uh, 
what we call anger might not even be really anger. It might be something much more nuanced mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, simple or complex uh, than, than that. It could be like a past trauma coming up. It could be something completely unrelated. I mean, this is like a super common situation in, um, in relationships and couples that mm-hmm. like uh, someone in, in the relationship will have like an outburst based off of like something really stupid like uh, somebody put the spoon in the wrong holder. You always put the spoon in the wrong holder. This is, this is why this won't work. And like all the craziness. Um, and in like every case, it's never about the thing. It's just like, that is the trigger that finally is like, they can't hold the emotion back anymore. Um, but when it comes out like that, it's, it's usually not helpful to anybody. Um, yeah. That's an interesting test of if you handled an emotion well. If you still feel like crap after releasing your angry emotion, you probably didn't handle it well. Right. Uh, that's how you know it's like it has it has doubled up and become in- inwardly destructive too. Um, so that that's a yeah. good signpost. Well, and I think that you know handling emotions in ways that are maybe not like the most graceful a lot of times what comes with that is like say you have an anger outburst then you have shame and regret and all of these repercussions of the way that you handled this emotion and so um yeah I think that in all of it it's like I think as humans we need to give ourselves a little bit more grace I I, I really like that word just because it's like you know I always my recent thing is telling people that with emotions, like let it flow and let it go. So you don't want to just totally let it go and not have to, you know, not process it and just kind of like banish it from your mind, but you want to like, let it flow and feel it and just then let it go. And so I think that, um, yeah, I don't know. That just, that's my, my recent kind of little mantra. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's tough if, uh, if one is, you know, constantly busy, constantly occupied and, and things like that. Um, going back to the kind of physician burnout thing, I had a bit of an in, insight uh, recently for myself, and you could tell me if it rings true to you. Um, many people might think that like the physician type of burnout, it comes from like, you know, uh, especially uh, I do a lot of work in mental health specifically as, as you do. Uh one might think that, oh, it's because someone comes in and it's like very, you hear like horrific, terrible things. Um, and you hear about suffering and deep depressions and you hear, you know, really hard to like ex- human existential things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and one would think that it's like from hearing it, from holding that weight for other people is like the, the cause of the difficulty and one needs to find a way to clear it. But for myself, I found that that is not the cause at all. It's quite the opposite. In fact, um, a, a lot of times after like really hard sessions, I actually feel a, a lot more like aware and clear because it's like all the, all the uh, blinders have been removed because mm-hmm. a lot of times if you're uh, working in the mental health field, uh, your patients tell you things that they don't tell anybody else. They don't tell sometimes their partners, they don't tell their spouses. They don't even tell themselves. Maybe they don't even know themselves until they said it. Um, so 
what I found on the, like the healer end of it is that, and this is just particularly for me. So maybe this doesn't apply to everybody. Uh, it, when you deal with uh, concerning yourself with other people's well-being and uh, being on the positive end with people and, and that kind of thing, it's very easy to, because you feel, it makes you feel like good, makes you feel very fulfilled, obviously very fulfilling work to help people with that kind of stuff. It's uh, very easy to forget that uh, you have all your own stuff still going on. And uh, it needs to be dealt with as it comes up uh, at some, at some point, you know what I mean? So that, that's kind of what I, what I found for myself uh, working with patients is that I, uh, interestingly, on the hypocrisy side, I actually found myself uh, more, more recently and kind of intuitively before is I would actually go through all the treatment recommendations that I gave to my patients, just because I know, like, Mm -hmm. it is difficult to do this change or do that change. So if I'm going to tell somebody to meditate, I have to meditate too, because like, who am I to like, I know it's good for me. I read the research, I've done it, etc. But Going back to uh, that that point, does that does that resonate at all? That it's like um, you can almost there's like another polarity. Uh, one of them is like you only focus on yourself. It's like purely selfish. No one else matters, and that's like obviously a very terrible form of suffering and depression. But there's the other the other end of it where you're giving, 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 and you're, you're doing the right thing and you're doing the good things. So you, you feel like, well, because of it, but, uh, does all that stuff build up underneath when you don't like take some time to yourself? Like, well, how did I feel about that? Like, I know I said this to the patient, but like, how did I feel like as like a human? Cause it's like, uh, I think every, you know, good healer or every good, doctor, every good professional, every good lawyer, whatever, they can like embody their role. Right. But like, we're not our roles. This is like a role that we play for a purpose. Right. And mm-hmm. it's the way it should be. Right. Cause you want the person who's helping you on your healing path to be in a good place to help you on a healing path, not, you know, uh, telling you about their problems and stuff and just like having like a back and forth conversation uh, because that they could just talk to their friend then it's not as helpful as it could be. Um, so what do you find on your end? Like what are the difficulties of, of seeing uh, patients on your own internal? Uh, what's the thing that uh, you've found that, that helps uh, a lot, maybe a mental uh, like strategy or how you think about your work or how you, what you even think about when you have like a really hard day, that kind of stuff. I asked a lot of questions to just answer yeah. whichever yeah. one's stuck. <laughs> I'm just throwing them at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, well, those uh, squishy things that you throw and they stick. It's yeah. like that. <laughs> I, I think I'm, I'm on more of your side of things where it, definitely resonates with feeling like for me, cause actually when you asked the first question of like, what are the things you do for self-care that like fill you up? And I was like, well, actually one thing is seeing patients. So for me, 
that really, like, I truly feel like this is my, my calling purpose, passion, and I'm very fulfilled by it. I feel like there's kind of this like vibrational frequency that's upped Mm -hmm. when I'm with patients. And when you said, you know, they're sharing these like vulnerable, intimate things. And they're like, I've heard numerous times, like I've never told anyone this in my entire life. And I'm like, whenever I hear that, I like brace myself more. So like, not because I'm afraid or whatever it is. I'm like, this is like, an honor. This is powerful stuff. Like this is, it's amazing. It's like kind of like outworldly. Sometimes I'm just like, this is like having to check myself. Cause I'm like, is this really happening? Like that this person is trusting me enough and feels safe enough for me for to open up and to like have me hold space for them. And so I really like, feel like I'm actually more on the end of like the job fills me up and is more of like self-care in that way, which I feel grateful for. And, you know, maybe it's because I'm only X amount of years out, but I think that yes, in terms of like, when I think of when I'm having a hard day in my personal life, then I'm like, well, at least I get to go see my patients. And at least mm-hmm. I get to like kind of drown myself in their personal life and struggles because that helps me to escape mine. So that's kind of mm-hmm. the realization I've had about my own suffering is like, you know, I think that for me, I I have a personal health history and journey that's led me to this medicine. And I think that's so helpful for connecting with patients. And it's actually so healing to meet with people and to be like, wow, like I realize how far I've come and I'm able to bond with them. And I do share very small bits about, you know, just to let them know that I understand. And I'm not just saying, Oh, that must be hard. I'm like, no, I get it. It's awful. Like it's terrible to have a stomachache, you know, seven out of seven days or whatever it is. And, um, so I think that it's healing to work with patients in a lot of ways and it's life giving. And then on the other end, it's, it's easy when you are that way. And that comes naturally in that way to you that to fall into that pattern of like, okay, well, am I just like totally neglecting my, you know, again, like you were saying, like not checking in with myself. Cause I think a lot of times I like walk away feeling very like kind of that like buzzed feeling of like, wow, that was like such a great interaction. Um, and so it's like, when that happens, you kind of just roll with that and you don't want to sit with like, okay, you don't want to pick it apart too much. You just go with it. You're not like, okay, that was really cool and awesome. But like, okay, before that I was in this place with my own stuff, you kind of just move through that. And like, with anything, that distraction and moving from one thing to the next is what we're talking about is like that form mm-hmm. of supporting emotion. So I think that that's kind of been on the forefront of my mind, um, somewhat, and even more now with that, this conversation of like taking mm-hmm. time to reflect on that of like, okay, like, cause you do want to compartmentalize, you know, I can't, like you said, bring my issues and what I have, you know, you walk through the door and you're like, I got to drop that, but then you have to pick that up when you leave the door. Right. You got to remember to pick it up too. Can't leave it at the door. Actually, well, maybe there's a way to leave it at the door and never pick it up. That would be my preferred method. That's a very Zen way to do it. (laughs) Just leave it at the door and don't pick it up. Actually, I changed Um, my mind. I 100% agree with uh, with that uh, that feeling of uh, you know such a positive feeling and feeling really uh, fulfilled uh, after every patient visit, and it's every single patient visit is exactly the same, no matter what happened, even if it was them talking about deep, deep, difficult traumas, uh, or if it was something light and casual, they all end the same. And I think it's, um, it comes from just the, the healing space inherently heals 
ev everybody in it. That's the whole, we're kind of, as a healer, we're just the person who's the conduit to it, but we're seeking healing for ourselves as well. Obviously not from the patient, but just from, I mean, you learn everything about healing from other people really, because that's how, how you get to know, like what is even on your mind. It's hard to like sit and know and think, but uh, for most people, they could probably tell you what the problem is, but maybe just no one's asked them or maybe no one's given them a chance to uh, like go through it and maybe give one answer to what the problem is and then realize it sounds silly and they don't even believe what they said and then, you know, have an insight because of that. So I think it is very filling. And I think that's exactly the right place to be. That's the, um, the wounded healer myth, uh, like uh, Chiron, the centaur, that's the, classic uh, Greek myth of the healer uh, is everyone who is a healer in, in as, as far as I know, at least the vast majority, they always start the journey because they're seeking their own healing or healing for somebody else, which is really seeking their own healing in some way. Cause it's, they're not being healed is making you not feel good. So it's also yeah. your own healing. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is just making me think about how, even outside of our realm of medicine is like, I think it's so powerful. Like a lot of people find their true passion and purpose and calling when something happens to them, you know, whether, you know, say they lose a family member from cancer and then they get super fired up about, you know, very passionate about working for a cancer research center or whatever it is. I just, I've heard time and time again, these stories of like, you know, kind of taking what someone has gone through and really like, that's, been the moment of impact for them in their life. And I think that that's like, you know, I, I hope that it doesn't have to happen that way. I mean, that's how I've experienced it. I mean, I was a professional ballet dancer and did that, you know, trained since I was, well, maybe it's a lot to say trained since I was three, but I started when I was three and I trained, you know, up 20 plus years. And then I had health issues come out of the blue, seemingly out of the blue, which, you know, now it adds up in terms of like, yeah, I wasn't fueling myself and I was over-exercising and all the perfect storm for me to have a health crisis. Mm. But at the time I was like, well, I, I don't understand. And it was out of the blue and it just completely shifted it. The world, like the earth, everything was unearthed under me. And that just sent me into this whole, like, I have to just pick up the pieces and like find the next thing. And for me and having that experience of suffering and leaning into like, I started just researching the body and how it worked. And then I stumbled upon naturopathic medicine and then I saw an ND and it, so it was this whole cascade of things, but I think that it's just interesting to witness that in other people's journeys too, that they experience this like earth shattering life changing. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of propels them. And so it's just interesting to kind of, again, I hope that that's not for everyone that you have to experience this heartache or hurt or suffering mm. um, to, to that place. But it's just, it's interesting. Cause I think that kind of shakes you like kind of shakes you to figure that out. And uh, I think that COVID and the pandemic has definitely been that for a lot mm -hmm. of people. They're like re-evaluating, questioning, kind of finding that, that next best path for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will certainly say uh, I certainly hope not everyone has to experience it, but that, that was my start too. And my interest in everything that I'm interested in as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you just get shocked awake by some like undeniable reality of life. Mm -hmm. It's probably one of the three uh, that 
the the Buddha awoke from, which was what was it for? I forget. Uh, which is like old age, uh, death, and mm-hmm. sickness. Mm-hmm. Those are the those are the the three like uh, immutable, terrible truths of life. That it's just a part of life, and um, some of them are. I mean, aging is unavoidable as of now death is definitely unavoidable as of now health maybe you can turn it around maybe if the buddha knew about naturopathic medicine he would (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) he probably knew more and more about naturopathic medicine before it was invented than i do um but but yeah i i think it's that um i don't know if it could be any other way because i think the level of like unconsciousness and sleep that we're deeply conditioned like right out of the womb depending on our environment parents that kind of thing matters a lot if you know we had like 70s hippie parents were probably going to come out of the womb very differently Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think it's that turning point i think there's a lot there's a lot of those throughout life and uh, uh just reflecting on what occurred uh, to me and how much of how much of like a terrible thing could actually have the most like beautiful effects in the in the long run but you can't see it at that point and uh, the the big insight from that is uh, a bad things like uh, like tragedies witnessing illness your own illness your own inability the death of someone that kind of thing is like a forked road uh, it could either lead you to a path of uh, like jadedness, self-destructiveness, worsening. That's like where the current wants to go because it's a bad thing. Obviously, you're going to move in that direction. But some people, they're just, I don't know, they, they're a certain type of person. They heard the right things at some point in their life. They did a little bit of meditation. They thought about something or they just got lucky in the moment. In that moment, they like view it in a different way and it it completely changes everything because uh, once you kind of like see something like that directly, like you, uh, you witness some, you know, terrible truth that everyone's constantly running away from it, it reorients like everything and makes everything very clear in your life. I think death particularly is one of those things and illness is really just like a kind of offshoot of that. It's kind of like a baby version of it, like an inability or, uh, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and it's all in how we, I think how we, how we view it, you know, uh, because we have a lot of ideas of what things are of like, oh, this is bad. This is good. But when you, when you see something like that, it kind of like forces you to make a decision about life. Like what is your life? Because like, this is what, this is like the reality of this and this, and, um, no one's immune from it. So how can you live your life so that it's still awesome, regardless of all that terrible shit? If you could do that, then I think it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And how, like, you know, each day is just such a small part of the big picture. And so I think to keep, that's another of that perspective check of when you're, you know, you wake up and you're like, I don't want to get out of bed. And like, this day feels hard. It's like, okay, this is one day. And even, you know, with that, if you're having a bad day and you're like, I'm so grumpy and this and that and harden yourself, it's like, okay, well, this is going to pass. Everything passes. Everything is temporary mm-hmm. to, to think about that. But I, I definitely feel grateful to have experienced that. And, you know, there are some out there who the suffering has been so much more 
significant. I mean, it's all relative, but I think once you have, once you like step into that door, step through that threshold, you've seen it and you can't unsee it. You can't unfeel like what it's like to go through something that's hard and changes your whole life. Mm-hmm. And to in the moment feel like your world is just falling apart. But then once you do look back and have that perspective, it's like, okay, so anything that's difficult going forward, it's almost, it's a gift because then you can be like, okay, one, I got through this past thing, you know, it's hard, but you learn from it and you are like, okay, during this time I dealt with it in this way. And like, you're just, you know, kind of our whole life is just like gathering these, like, you know, gathering this um, information and these skills to help prepare us for the next thing. And so, you know, being able to have that perspective and that experience, it's like, okay, well, I can tackle this next thing. And I know that in the moment, if I'm suffering so much, but I know that, you know, however many steps forward, if I look back, that that's going to have made me a stronger person. It's going to have mm-hmm. led me to meet whoever nec- the next person they needed to meet, whether like partner, career, whatever it is. Like, it's like, I feel like life is just this giant magical web where it's like, one little instance, whether it's good or bad, is like leading you to the next thing. It's like these mm-hmm. little things that you have to mm-hmm. follow and trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And brings up, uh, I wonder if, uh, if this was your experience as well with the kind of uh, health issues and the traumatic nature of it. Um, for, you know, there's this idea that like when, you know, bad things happen, like you have to be like strong and get through it. But I think in my case, because it was such an intense thing, there was like no strength. It just like went right. It just like went right in and just completely like broke me for a couple of days. Uh, But like when I came back, uh, from that experience and processed it, a lot of crying for, for, for quite a while. It was like, everything was like different. I had like saw something that you kind of like cannot see, but uh, I wonder, you know, if, if that was your experience and if that's like part and parcel of it, because I feel like if I was like, if I knew what I knew now, I might like try to be strong and get through it. But I think it, it was so intense and I was just at the right place where I had some awareness, but not really. Mm-hmm. And I had some ideas, but like I, not all of them that it just like went right through me and, and then that's exactly, I think why it was a positive event rather, rather than a negative one. Uh, not because I had like the strength to carry through, but because I almost had the strength to just like give up and let it just like break me. Uh, surrender to it. Yeah. Surrender to some thing that you don't want to surrender to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's easy to look back and like, I I know for me, I'm like, Oh, I, yeah, I'm strong and powerful. It's like, you like see it in a different light after it's over and then you kind of forget. But I know for myself, I mean, this started 12 years ago now. And like, I, you know, I'm still on my healing journey and it's, you know, with chronic health issues, like things are always kind of coming and going. And so it's just, you know, become, part of my everyday world and has taught me a lot then taught me then and now is continuing to teach me but I think that it's the processing that I don't know if I fully processed it in the moment or could have I mean just with like ending that career and then just because the physical illness so I had um, chronic Lyme disease that was like undiagnosed for a really long time and a whole host of other things and I think that like just there was so much wrapped in that and that you know when physical 
illness impacts your mental state, like not just because, okay, I'm sick and I just feel, but it's like, if you know that like Lyme disease, like you with other conditions too, like that's totally impacting you, how you're having neuroinflammation and like my personality, I feel like was just completely blunted. But um, what I was going to say is that just in terms of processing, I'm still processing. Like I still have moments of time where I'm like, that was like really, really hard. And like, that was crazy that I like sat in this moment of, you know, I still, you know, so one of my symptoms was weight gain, you know, just with, um, some GI issues and hormone imbalances that came up. And so to be in this ballet world and everything is based on your body that they were like, basically like, you need to figure this out or you're out. And so I went to the gym for two hours after dancing six to eight hours a day and like really pushed because I was like fighting for my career. But at the end of the day, that was just too much on my body. And that just pushed me further towards the edge. But to have to sit in this environment for X amount of time, when you think everyone's looking at you because you've gained weight and you know, you're wearing a leotard and tight. So everyone can see, everyone knows it's the talk of, you know, like it's, it's a small community. And so I think, um, that, is, was very traumatic. And so Mm. looking back, I'm like, whoa, like that's crazy. And so like process some then continue to process, but it's like, it's very messy. I think all of it is very messy. It's not like you can't like put a little bow and be like, okay, like good to go. Yeah. I think if, if it's not messy, it's not the real thing as far as insights. Cause you know, uh, our like ideals and morals of what the good way and the bad way is this all just our boxes but reality doesn't exist in any kind of box it's very raw messy uh amazing blissful terrible it's all the things depending on the given moment of the day yeah well and i think that that is so important like um vulnerability is so important in the process and holding space for patients and for them to be vulnerable and within community to be vulnerable and to say like to not just be like you know I feel like we walk around like how are you doing oh I'm good but it's like to really like be raw and vulnerable especially in the healing process is I think it's crucial I don't think that you can really because it it again goes back to your suppressing in some way if you're just kind of like not able to just like lay it all on the table and be like you know and I think those who have someone to turn to whether it's a friend family member partner provider like are very fortunate to have someone to lay it all on the table because I can't imagine what it would be like to go through something like that and to feel you already feel isolated in the situation because you're like no one else experiences the same exact thing which is true and yeah it's it's a wild wild experience Mm -hmm. yeah it is I think this is a perfect place to end (laughs) (laughs) felt a natural pause yeah (laughs) so Dr. Uh, Megan Schmelick um, the clinic you work at is a two minute wellness. Is that correct? Yep. A two minute wellness is in awesome. South, South, Southwest Portland. And yeah, it's a great, great healing space. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, well, that was a great conversation. Very mindful. Uh, thank you for, thank you for, thank you for doing this. Uh, hope you have thank a beautiful you. night and enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Absolutely.